0: it's Carmen. Welcome to another episode of Off Air with Carmen. This week, I'm going to be talking to a really special guy that I've gotten to know over the last couple of weeks. His name is Jason, Jason Greitzer. And I'm not going to make this intro really long. Here's the bottom line. Jason's story is my dad's story with one big difference. Jason survived addiction. My dad did not I'm really eager for you to hear this conversation with Jason, and if you're struggling with addiction, I hope it encourages you. If you love someone who's struggling with addiction, keep praying for them. Here's my conversation with Jason. Well, welcome to Off Air with Carmen. Thank you. I think this is a podcast that's been a long time coming. I've got Jason Greitzer with me um, on this episode of Off Air with Carmen And I'm trying to go back, and you've corrected me if I'm wrong, because you may know the story a little bit better than, than me, but somehow, some way, I got a YouTube link to your testimony. Yes. And I don't know if your wife, Jen, who's in the room, I don't know if she submitted it for a joy story, maybe, I'm not sure okay, she's shaking her head no so tell me
1: so um, I think it was about a year ago okay we uh, my wife and I both had the opportunity to share our testimonies at okay. our church okay and um, they videoed them and so afterwards Jen, my wife thought let's send yours. Over to Carmen, yeah. and um, you know it was kind of a shot in the dark. Let's right. just send it yeah. and uh, see what happens. And you instantly responded. It was shortly after you responded okay. to it. You said thank you so much for yeah. this. I watched it, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was great. I'm going to send it to my daughter and see if we can maybe get you in at some point. Okay, got it. And so we were so excited about that, and um, and, and then, then of course some time went on. <laughs> yes,
0: and then I went and, dark. Go ahead, you <laughs> can say it.
1: And then it well, then it just so happened that I. I ended up at the Ford Taylor yes, Conference, Yes. went there with the sole purpose for my business uh-huh. and leadership, Yeah. and you ended up being there. And so I thought, yeah. wow, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I made a point to come up and introduce myself to you at that conference. And as we were talking-
0: You were totally familiar yes, to me.
1: You because I, yes, you recognized my voice.
0: Yes.
1: And, uh, and then kind of the light bulb went off. And mm-hmm. so- you said, hey, this is, um, yeah. I don't think this happened by chance. And I was talking with a buddy of mine, and mm-hmm. it's just cool to look back because I went to that conference just with the sole purpose of growing in leadership. Yeah. And, you know, I own a business, so uh-huh. had no idea that God had a bigger plan. Yeah. And here we are. Oh, so that's it's, so great. Okay. pretty well, exciting.
0: As you can imagine, I get tons of people's stories sent to me. But I do remember, Jason, I remember it was raining outside. I was sitting in my front room at my house, and I was and I saw the YouTube link, however it got to me, maybe it was through Instagram or however it was sent to me. I remember watching your story, and I remember being super emotional about it, and we're going to get to this part, but your story is my dad's story, except they both end very differently. Mm. So anytime that I can talk to someone who it didn't end, it ended differently for them, I just am always leaning in and wanting to hear that um, because your story is so... Dear to my heart because I watched it play out in, in my own life. Amen. Um so I think maybe when so I got it reversed. So maybe when I saw your story, I'm like, ah, oh, this would be a great joy story. And then it just somehow got lost. But yeah, it was providential for me to see you yes. at Fort Taylor that day.
2: Amen. Um
0: so as I've already alluded to, I mean, your story, um, our stories are a lot alike. Mm-hmm. Not just that your story is my dad's story, but you and I, our story is similar. Because our um, parents both divorced around the same age, um, and when I was watching your testimony, um, let's just pick it up there. Tell tell folks a little bit about just how you grew up and your your family your family life that led to you being a freshman in high school and sure where your so, hard part of your story. So yeah, was I
1: grew up in St. Petersburg, Florida, not yeah. too far from here, and. Um, you know, I had a mom and a dad who loved me. There was no doubt my parents loved me and my younger sister. Mm-hmm. And um, But my father, as we were growing up, he was an alcoholic. And as I got probably to to the age of about seven or eight, I began to, to realize that, you know, my dad had a drinking problem. Um, it was normal in our home to be around the drinking and the smoking and to, to smell marijuana occasionally. That was kind of the, the lifestyle in my home growing up. And um, well, my dad's addiction to alcohol eventually destroyed their marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, there were many a nights I can remember um, going to bed just hearing my parents fight and argue. And um, I, I went to bed many nights as a young child, just crying, wanting to change it, wanting to fix it. And um, just feeling hopeless and helpless, really. And um, finally, by the age of, I think I was around 10, and my mom decided she had had enough. Uh, my dad had several DUIs at that point, um, and uh, it, it was just getting worse. The drinking was getting worse, and so she finally decided she had had enough and she was going to leave him.
2: Mm.
1: And... Um, I can remember the day my, my father left, he had all this stuff packed and he left for the, it was like, this was it. He's leaving. And I can remember running after him as he drove off, just crying, my sister and I, and, Mm. um, and feeling like at that age, you kind of feel like either, I I don't know, it's hard to explain those emotions that Mm -hmm. I went through at that time, but just so much confusion Yeah, and, um. And so that was the start of uh, a big shift in my household. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm the, the the man of the house. And I mean, come on, I'm 10 years old at this yeah. point. And so I kind of had to try to step it up. But I also had a lot of freedom now mm-hmm. at this point in my home because, you know, a, a mother trying to raise two kids on her own, working full time. Uh, as you can imagine, I was um, I had a lot of liberty in the house. Yeah. And so by the time I got into, um, my, my eighth grade year is really when I started messing around with alcohol, you know, this was something that I had seen for years in my home. It was kind of a normal thing. So when, uh, when that time came and I was introduced to it, Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't that big of a deal for me to try it out. Did you
0: try that out by yourself or were you with friends or?
1: With some friends. Some friends, yeah. Yeah, with some friends and, um, you know, so it started with the little drinking and smoking mm-hmm. cigarettes, and and uh, and then the marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember the first time I was introduced to marijuana, and this was my, I believe it was my eighth grade year, and mm. and I remember those feelings of I was so fearful. I really didn't want to try it, mm-hmm. but I was more worried what my friends would think about me mm. had I declined it. Got it. And so um, I gave into that peer pressure. And, um, well, that was kind of the beginning mm-hmm. of a downhill spiral in my life. So by the time I got into high school, my ninth grade year, I was now uh, not just smoking marijuana, but I was selling it, too.
0: So how did you make that jump from, because that's one thing that really struck me when I watched your video, is that you went from, I mean, you weren't, at, first of all, ninth grade is so young. Yes. But you weren't just using, you were selling at nine, in ninth grade.
1: Yeah, you know, it was the, the, you know, when you get involved with those wrong crowds, right. you know, there was the older crowd that was, um, you know, I I had it all to my, I was exposed to so much at a yeah. young age. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I just, think it, it just.
0: It's not really a jump the way you would think. I mean, it's if you're in that circle, it it happens easier right, than what you would think. Right.
1: And it just happens so fast. Yeah. And so before I knew it, I found myself uh, i was known as the drug dealer around school um my mm. ninth grade year and
0: did your mom have any idea at this point did she could she tell i mean did she know that you were in trouble or because you're in ninth grade, you've done marijuana, you're selling it l s d and then you're sitting in class, and the authorities show up, the police right. show up. Was that when your mom got that call that that had happened because you were you were sent to yes j d c yeah did, was that the first time she knew anything was wrong? I don't or believe so think I, she I think she, she knew him. Yeah.
1: but I think i I also did a good job at hiding a lot and
2: yeah.
1: um but I don't think she was as, as shocked yeah. as she should have been um yeah. and so yeah I, I get caught at um at school Yeah. with uh, I got two third degree felonies and I was pulled out of school in, in mm. handcuffs and uh you know I went and spent 30 days in JDC. And I can remember sitting in jail thinking to myself, how am I going to do this better the next time? What can I learn from this so that I can become better at selling drugs? And, um, so it was uh,
0: oh my goodness, what have I done? Right. It was, how can I be smarter?
1: Yes. Wow. Yeah. And mm. so I got out and uh, finished that year of school in teleschool and did the house arrest and all that. And. And um, ended up, they let me back in my high school. Mm-hmm. I sent a letter to the principal mm-hmm. and uh, they accepted me back. And I, I actually graduated from St. Pete High. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> but by this time now, I was not only messing with the marijuana, but mm-hmm. cocaine had be, be, mm-hmm. um, become uh, pretty prevalent mm-hmm. in this, uh, this group that I was hanging around. And so now I found myself selling, selling and doing cocaine. And so uh, I started college right out of high school and um, I dropped out my second semester and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to sell drugs full time. Mm. And so I really thought that, you know, I could make a living selling drugs and I didn't need school. And um, and so that I began really pursuing this lifestyle of selling drugs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, uh, you know... Every time a new drug would be introduced to me, I, I, I had no problem trying this thing out. Um, I was just so exposed to this lifestyle and I was, uh, it just quickly consumed me. Mm-hmm. It did. And so I, you know, I, I, I would have jobs periodically here and there, but I would never hold a consistent job. I was always more, um, I, was, I was more into selling drugs.
0: Mm-hmm. And you were probably, were you making decent money?
1: Was making decent money, making enough to get by and support my habit. Yeah, because really, at the end of the day, by this time, I had a habit to support. And it's so
0: expensive.
1: And it's very expensive. And so, um, you know, I began to burn bridges. Mm -hmm. um, You know, in with this lifestyle, you you have friends, but you have enemies. And I can remember there was a time um, by the age of twenty three, I decided I was ready to for change, and I needed to get out of St. Pete, and Mm -hmm. so I moved away to New York. And uh, I thought this is this is going to be a fresh start for me. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to get away from this lifestyle, and so I moved up to New York. And it didn't take long before I uh, I fell right back into the same lifestyle in New Mm -hmm. York,
0: just different location,
1: different location. And so uh, I ended up coming back to St. Pete, Mm -hmm. and uh, here we are, another fresh start. Mm -hmm. And at this time, I, I found a good job, and I really wanted to change. I wanted so desperately to get away from the drugs. I wanted, I can remember growing up as a young kid, and I always had dreams and goals to do something big with my life. And um, I just remember holding on to those, but realizing that I was just so caught up in this this addiction and this lifestyle, and it was just such a great stronghold in my life. Mm. But there was still that part of me that knew this wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, so I I got a job at All Children's Hospital. Okay. And I now I have this great job and I had been there for about a year. I had a friend of mine call me one day and said, "Hey, I'm going to meet you at your place after work. I want to bring something to you." Hmm. So I didn't know what what this was about, but anyways, uh I went home after work that day and I had my own apartment at this time and um had this great job. And so my friend shows up and she's got this little blue pill. Mm. And I had never heard of this thing at this time. But um, she said, you've got to try this. This is the new stuff that's out. And you're going to love it. And so mm. I can remember that day we uh, we both sat on my couch and we tried this blue pill. We snorted it. And um, I can remember literally moments later feeling... Uh, a feeling I had never felt before. Hmm. And I remember sitting on my couch thinking, where has this been my whole life? And um, it was just a, an instant, uh, everything, every worry, every thought just kind of left me. And it was like, there, I had no worries in the world. Mm. And I laid in and, and experienced that for the next few hours. And, I remember going to work the very next day, and I called that friend of mine, and I said, hey, do me a favor. Whatever that was you had yesterday, can you meet me at the house with some more of that? And so she said, sure. Went home and did the same thing all over again. And I'd say probably two to three months after that day, I had lost my job at All Children's Hospital. And I lost my apartment that I was living in, and I was now living out of my car chasing these pills.
0: What was this little blue pill?
1: It was Roxy's, also known as OxyContin. Oh, wow. This was opiates. Mm -hmm. And uh, here I am. Mm -hmm. I just lost this great job that I had. And all I cared about now was finding these pills, getting my next high. You know, at this point, all the drugs I had done at this point, I'd like to say I somewhat had a little bit of control. I had never been physically dependent to mm. a drug until I tried oxycodone. So this
0: one took it to another level.
1: This took it to a whole nother level. Mm. And But well, you're um,
0: physically dependent.
1: Physically dependent. You know, the best way I could describe it is, you know, at first it was fun. I did it to get high, but eventually I needed a fix just to function in life. Mm. And so I quickly found myself at this place where I literally needed these pills to get out of bed in the morning. And my entire life revolved around Oxycontin. I began to burn every bridge that I had. I began to lie to the ones that I loved. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't care about anybody or anything except for these pills. And uh, I ended up getting with... uh, I I, I met a woman and... um, we got together, not your wife, not, not my wife. wife. Okay, no, yeah. let's not make that yeah, very okay. clear. <laughs> and um, so I ended up getting involved with this woman, and um, you know we were just the worst thing for each other. Mm, yeah. And you know we began to well, we got into the what you call the doctor scene, and we were mm. doctor shopping. And I had Is that a, what
0: you call like the pill mill thing. Yes, and back in the song, yes, and yeah, back and, and, the and back
1: then too. It was It was kind of new on the scene where you could go into any doctor with a, just a fake MRI report and get prescriptions. And
0: these doctors knew what they were doing.
1: They absolutely knew what they were doing. And
0: you would see them and they would just hand you what you were asking
1: for.: Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so we uh, some a couple of my friends and I put together a fake MRI report that showed we had a couple slip discs. And, um, you know, we all put our information on it mm-hmm. as if it were our own. Okay. And we were able to take that to just about any doctor in the Tampa Bay area at that time, pain management, and walk in there and get prescriptions of Roxy's, Oxycontin, Xanax, you name it. And so this is this this is what we did on the regular. This is how we paid our bills and supported our habit. Um, and so-
0: Wait, when you this is how we paid our bills so you would- you would supply people with fake MRIs, like people would come pay you the for pills. that? The Oh, the so pills, we so you would sell like, the pills. Oh, I see. Got it, got it, got and, it. And
1: um, you know, you you sell So you take what enough. you
0: needed and Correct. then sell. Got it. Okay.
1: Yeah, it was just this wicked cycle. And so I can
0: uh, So really a world unto its own. Just a whole
1: This was uh this was This was a darker road than I had ever imagined.
0: Right. And Jason, I think you can speak into this right here. Isn't it? Because, I mean, we've all had times in our lives and it doesn't have to be drug addiction. It can be whatever bad choices. Isn't it amazing how the line between got it together and completely out of control is so, it's so razor thin. I mean, there's things that you think you would never do. And then all all of a sudden you find yourself on this road. You're like, how did I get from point A? point b which is a whole other thing we can talk about later it's that slow fade but it's scary how quickly you can have it together and then not have it together
1: it's so scary and and that's it and i can remember thinking to myself and even vocalizing yeah you know i'll snort these but i'll never shoot them up
2: Mm. i will
1: never put a needle in my arm i thought you know Mm -hmm. i'm never gonna be that bad off Mm. And it didn't take long before I was
0: doing putting that.
1: needles in my arm Ugh. as well. And so Do you the, have any
0: relationship with your mom or sister at all at this point?
1: At this point, um, they are pretty much, they're yeah. still there. Yeah. They're there for me but they don't from watch a you, distance. they don't
0: want to watch you kill yourself.
1: By this point, my mother doesn't want me in the house anymore. Yeah. And um, the woman that I was with, she began to, she all of a sudden became like a klepto. And Mm. she would start stealing. Okay. And so she started getting arrested several times. And that third time she was arrested, they Mm -hmm. kept her in jail for a good period of time. Mm. And while she was in jail, I went to visit her one day and I left everything I had at our house that we were renting together and um, all my money. At the time, I had a lot of drugs and pills and stuff and everything was left at the house in a little safe. I went to visit her in jail. And when I came home, my front door was wide open mm. and I instantly knew somebody came in and robbed me. Mm. So I ran in the house and went right to where that safe was and it was gone. And I, I just fell to the ground and I thought, what am I going to do? I thought, let me, let me find out who did this. Mm-hmm. That was my initial reaction is I'm going to find out who did this because I want to kill him. And, well, that didn't happen. And so now, by nighttime, this same day, um, this happened so quick. I have no money now, and I have no drugs, so now I began to withdraw. Oh, gosh. Because How quickly
0: does that set in?
1: It doesn't take but a few hours. Um, At this point, I was probably doing 20 pills a day. And so when you go a good five, six hours... Your body starts to need another, mm. another shot or another pill. Mm-hmm. So by that night, I uh, I remember just sitting in that house, thinking to myself, "What, what am I gonna do? I have no money, I have mm-hmm. no drugs, and my body's starting to shut down. Mm. I'm starting to get dope sick,
2: mm.
1: and I had nobody to call. You know, by this time, all the decent friends I had in my life." We really didn't communicate much anymore. And mm-hmm. the only people I really dealt with, they didn't, they didn't give a lick about me.
0: Yeah,
1: And I couldn't call my mother at this point because she had pretty much turned me mm-hmm. off. And uh, she didn't want to allow me to put her through this suffering anymore. So she was from a distance just mm-hmm. praying, which I'll get into that here in a little bit. But um, so I locked myself in my house and I began to go through the withdrawals. Mm. And I sat, in my, uh, I sat on that couch for about three days, and by day two, I, I hadn't eaten, I hadn't showered, and I began, to, uh, I began to hallucinate. My mind began to go to this place, and I could, I could tell you stories right now that I remember thinking and that went on in my head during this time that were just so off the wall and bizarre. And so mentally I was just gone. And I had no energy to get up and move from this couch. And I remember vomiting and it was just white foam coming up. And I and I couldn't even get up to clean myself. And you're all by yourself. And I all by myself. And I laid on that couch for about three days in my filth.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: Wow. (laughs) And so I'm hallucinating. I'm in and out of reality at this point. And it was in the middle of the night and I and I woke up from a deep sleep.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was staring down the barrel of a gun. I don't believe this was really happening. I think I was hallucinating. But I woke up from this deep sleep and there's somebody standing over me with a gun in my face. And the next thing I know, I black out. Mm-hmm. And when I come back to I'm walking down fourth street in the middle of the night. I'm no longer in the house and I'm just walking and it's pitch blackout. And the next thing I know, I black out and the next thing that, that I know to happen is I'm now being picked up by the police Mm. in a public's parking lot. And it had been two days later. So two days gone by that I, I I don't really know what happened in those two days. And now I'm being picked up by the police in the pouring down rain in a public's parking lot. And I have no shoes and I have no shirt and my phone is gone. And um, I don't know what happened. But apparently I was out there talking to myself and trying to pick fights with people. And I'm 27 years old at this point. And so praise God, this, this cop who came to pick me up, he, he could clearly see that I wasn't in my right state of mind. And, you know, he very well could have just taken me to jail, booked Mm -hmm. me and Mm -hmm. moved on. Right. But this police officer, he had some compassion on me. And he said, I tell you what, I should probably take you to jail right now, but if you have one person that you can think to call you, a family member that will come pick you up, I'll let that happen. I just had a moment of clarity to remember my, first I called my mother. and mm-hmm. she, I don't think they could get through to her. And uh, I had this moment of clarity where I just remembered my stepdad's phone number. And so the cop called him. He picked up Roy. And, uh, cop proceeded to tell him, Hey, I've got your, uh, stepson down here and it's not looking good. Mm. You know, are you able to come and get him? Cause if not, I gotta, I gotta take him to jail. And he said, absolutely. I'll be right there. So
0: he came,
1: he came, oh, he came quickly. Yeah. And so he shows up and I jump in his truck and he, he takes me home and, he called my mom while they were on their way to the house. And he says, hey, I've got Jason and it's not good. You're going to want to leave work and come home. And um, so my mom shows up. At this point, I'm I'm laying on their couch in their living room. And I was clearly just so, so far gone mentally. I was talking a lot of gibberish at that time. Uh, my mom says I was spitting on her floor mm. and just... Um, obviously not in my right state of mind. And so my mother walks in and instantly just starts crying and she calls her pastor. Mm.
0: Um, so at this point, your mom knows the Lord
1: at this point, my mom knows the okay. Lord. So, um, rewinding a moment, you know, we didn't, we didn't go to church growing up. Right. Um, grew up and just, I think the only time we went to church was maybe Easter mm. and Christmas. And mm-hmm. so my mom actually got saved during this process of my addiction, mm. um, so you she had, had
0: you had no idea. I
1: hadn't. Well, I began to see a little change Changing. in my mom. Okay, but, but y'all um,
0: weren't in close relationship for you to see it
1: right, up uh, close and personal, right? Yeah. And so she had now been saved for a couple of years, and she's um got a great pastor. Mm. And so she instantly called him, and she said, "You know, I've got Jason here, and and I don't know what to do with him, Pastor. What do I do?" And she kind of quickly uh, gets him up to speed on the situation. Of course, he had known obviously that I was a mess. Everybody had been praying for me, and um, he says, "Well, you need to have him Baker acted." Mm. And so, my mom called, had me Baker acted, and a couple of paramedics came and and uh, to her house, picked me up, and they took me down to Bayfront Hospital, and that's where I spent three days, um, hooked up to the machines and IVs and uh, literally by this point, I was I was probably 130 pounds, soaking wet. Um, I, I was literally knocking on death's door. My eyes were sunk into my face. I was white as a ghost. And they they called my mom the second day and said, "You know, it's not looking good, Karen." They said, "There's a good chance we're going to have to put them into the mental ward mm. when when we have to release them. 72 hours, they gotta release you." And they said, at this point, we don't know if his mind's going to come back. And I can remember they would come in and groups of people would come into that hospital room throughout the day and they'd, they'd ask me questions and I just didn't have the answers. And I was seizuring a lot and still talking a little mumble jumble. And, but then, then day three rolled around. And uh, I began to, some of the fog began to clear. God began to restore my mind. I was finally able to answer some of their questions. And so by the time those 72 hours was up, they, they no longer had to put me in a mental ward, but they had to release me. And so they called my mother and said, great news. You know, he's, he's starting to come back around mentally. We, we don't have to send him to the mental ward. But we've got to release them. and so that's when my mother came and uh, she showed up in that hospital room, and uh, you know I can just remember her walking in and instantly broke down crying, mm-hmm. and and uh, and I'm crying now at this point. And
0: at this point, were you wanting help? Did you want help?
1: Absolutely, you did. Okay, absolutely. Uh, so so my mother, she she says uh, she says, son, listen, you've got three choices. She said, number one, you're coming with me. I'm going to take you and drop you off at the homeless shelter
2: because
1: you don't have anywhere to live and you're not coming to live with me. Because through all this, that, that house that I was renting, I couldn't go back there. I We hadn't paid the rent. I had nowhere to go. And so she said, choice number one, I'm going to drop you off at the homeless shelter. And she said, or two, we're going to go and pick up your, your tomb. Mm. She said, cause son, you're going to die. And I'm not doing that by myself. And, uh, and I'm crying at this point And it's just, uh, it's just such a hopeless time for me. And I can remember feeling so lost and just so hopeless. And then I, I said, well, mom, what's the third choice? And she said, son, choice number three, it's time to change your life. And I can remember hearing those words and thinking it was just like a glimmer of hope because I, I, I instantly realized that I could change my life. And so I said, yes, I, I'm willing to do whatever it's going to take. And so uh, she said, "Well, listen, I've got a I've got a place r- ready for you right now. They've got a bed. I found a faith-based recovery program for you in Jacksonville, Florida, and if you're willing to go, I'll take you tonight." And I said, "I'm willing. Mm. Let's go." Praise the Lord. And amen. And so she took me to her house that night. And um, Did she
0: sleep with one eye open? <laughs> so we didn't
1: we didn't stay the night. Uh, okay. We drove in the middle of the I night because okay. she didn't want to chance it, but So let me, let me go back just a little bit. My wife, Jen here. Okay. So her and I met in high school Mm -hmm. and we've always had a great, just a strong connection. We never really dated, but we were always the best of friends. Mm. And through my addiction, when we graduated high school, we kind of went, I I don't want to say separate ways, but we didn't hang out as much, but we would always connect over the years. And so when I got really bad, Jen, she was my rock. And it's just amazing to look back. Every time I would be in trouble or I would be fighting with my, it didn't matter. When I was down and out, I would call Jen and she would come and pick me up. She would be there for me. And so now she actually, she actually ended up meeting my mother at church it's it's such oh a my long goodness. crazy story. And here's the
0: thing: this is the part. This is the part where sometimes I wish we were videoing because I wish you could see what's happening in the room right now. It's because Jason's talking about Jen, and we're all the way. If you can see the way Jen's looking at Jason and then wiping her eyes, it's just it's beautiful. So we're leaning in for the rest of this story. So you y'all knew each other in high school, and then Jen and your mom meet at church.
1: So Jen's. Jen starts going to church. Well, okay. We had a mutual friend pass away. Okay. Okay. This was my best friend in high school. Okay. He died to a drug overdose. Oh, goodness. Heroin. Oh, gosh. And um, one of many friends that I've lost to addiction, uh, by the way. Yeah. And so it was his death that brought Jen and I back together. Okay. Okay. So-
0: just as friends, kind
1: just of. Just as friends, okay. yes, still at this point. But it was through our best friend's death where Jen had planned a memorial service for him. Mm. Well, it just so happened where she ended up holding that memorial service was the same church my mom was going to. I see. And so it was the death of our good friend John that mm-hmm. um, kind of connected her and my mom okay. and, and this this church. And so, um, it's just cool how God can Mm -hmm. take such a tragedy, you know, and, and
0: and work it for the good, and work
1: it for the good. And we often look back and, you know, John's death, like that's what, that's ultimately what brought Jen to the Lord. Wow. And, Mm. um, yeah, just, just amazing. And so, uh. My mother takes me home from the hospital.
0: And you're about, she's about to take you and to Jacksonville. she's about to
1: take me to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And she calls Jen mm. and she says, I've got Jason and he's willing to go to rehab. Wow. And she says, would you like to come and see him before we go? Mm-hmm and so jen shows up (laughs)
0: because
1: by now jen and my mom are friends and they're you know this is she's a
0: believer and she's praying for you and yes okay and so
1: you know they've just all been praying for me at this Uh point and now here we are yeah i'm leaving the hospital i'm willing to go to treatment and so jen shows up at my mom's house and I'm in my hospital gown still. I am a. Wreck. You're
0: looking, yeah. You're looking so fine in the hospital gown. <laughs> I,
1: I am an absolute mess. Yeah. Now, granted, yeah. we're just friends, sure. but she's my rock. Yeah. She was just the. Mm. She was the best person I had in my life, mm. and so she comes over, and we're just uh, kind of sitting, laying around on on a on the bed because I couldn't get up. I yeah. was still so sick.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So she just kind of lays or sits there next to me on the bed and we're talking. Mm-hmm. And I began to tell her how, you know, I, I read this book and about a guy who got saved and he just started, he, he just, he's helping so many people and, and that's what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to go and I'm, and I'm going to change and I'm going to help people. And she's like, listen, just just one day at a time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm just rambling on. And then I looked at her and I said, you know something else? I'm going to marry you one day. And at that point, Jen kind of uh she she kind of slid a little further from me and <laughs> away from you, <laughs> yes, not towards <George>, you. <laughs> further from me and she said, You're like, okay. you know, honey, let's just let's just get focus you the treatment you, yeah. and just focus yeah. on getting help right mm-hmm. now and and uh so I go away to treatment. We How have just the a, a, a spe- this is a year-long program. I, okay. Year long, and um, I remember showing up there, and um, still very sick. So we drove through the night, got a hotel close by, and then we woke up. My mom took me straight there in the morning, yeah. dropped me off, and I can remember showing up there, and we had to go up these long flight of stairs, and uh, to meet the director. Hmm. And I can remember looking at those stairs, and I was still so weak and sick and tired. I didn't know how I was going to make it up those stairs. And I, I think that was my first little prayer. I said, God, if you're real, help me up these stairs. It's just simple. And, uh, well, I got up those stairs met with the director and, and, uh, started this process. So, they gave me a little bit of time to go through the withdrawals. I think I I was on bed rest for the first week or two. And, um, but then by then I was starting to come around. The fog was clearing and, and now here I am in rehab. I have nothing. I showed up to that place with a clothes basket full of dirty clothes that smelled like cigarettes. And that's Mm. all I owned Mm. at that time. And, and, uh, so I, uh, I began to go through the process of the program. So was we your would, heart
0: in it from the beginning or was there a moment like you get in rehab, two or three weeks pass by and you're, did you contemplate like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this? Or were you all in from the very beginning?
1: I was all in okay. and, and, and that most people, that's not to say it wasn't tough. Sure. Right. I, it was very challenging, but I knew that. Mm-hmm.
0: You didn't this want to was go my by. only choice. Got it.
1: This was my only choice, and I was so tired. I was so sick of this lifestyle by Got it. this point. So
0: you were at the point where you. This were. This was
1: my lifeline. Got it. Okay. And so I began uh, going through the program. We would have to get up every morning and uh, read our Bibles. Mm-hmm. I had never read the Bible before, so this was all very new to me, mm-hmm. and uh, it was so out of my comfort zone. People wanted to pray with me. Mm. Um, you know, very foreign at this time in my life. And I can remember they they would do chapel services and we would do what they call rallies. And one of the first rallies we went to, this is where this program was all men. We would actually get up, sing a few songs in front of a church, and then a few of the guys would share their testimonies. Hmm. And that first rally I went to, I sat in that pew, and I listened to this brother, Jason, share his testimony, mm. and I just wept the entire time. I sat in that pew, and I cried cried my eyes out, listening to this man's story, and it was me, and, and there was so much hope in his story, and I can remember thinking to myself, I want, I want to do that. that. That's what I want. I want to be able to talk about how God has delivered me from my addiction. I want to be able to get up with a smile on my face and say, I'm no longer an addict. And for so many years, I had bought into this lie that I was always going to be a drug addict, Hmm. that I was born this way and I just had to learn to deal with it. And I bought the lie of Satan Mm -hmm. and I just lived with that bondage for so many years. And for the first time ever, I witnessed a man up there talking about how God had just transformed his life. And so I cried that entire service. And at the end of the service, you know, uh, the pastor up there gave the gospel Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and, uh, that was the day that I had trusted Christ. Um, I got saved and, and then God began to do a mighty work in my life. Um, and and this was just now the beginning of this new life for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, How far into rehab was this when you had this, this moment? This was
1: the very beginning. This was probably like my third or fourth weekend. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> I can remember just uh, I was so sold out. I was I was just so hungry for this new life. I, I really, I, I didn't ever want to go back to this old lifestyle and, um I can just remember reading the Bible just being super confused though not really understanding much but but I wanted to. And so uh I I got to this place where I was I felt like I was kind of hitting a brick wall. Hmm. And I felt like I just wasn't growing like my prayers were hitting the ceiling and um, but I realized that I was still holding on to a lot right i was holding on to a lot from my past um i had a lot of anger and hurt and bitterness that i had buried so deep inside of me and um and this this stuff was beginning to come up now it was was coming to the surface
0: which is all part of the process
1: part of the process and this was something that i never dealt with in the past i was really good at just burying stuff inside of me and moving on with life and so now it was time to start dealing with some of these root issues that I had. And I, can, uh, I read a verse, Isaiah forty three eighteen and 19, and God spoke to me through this verse. Mm. Uh, it says, uh, "'Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it?' And he talks about, "'I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert.'" you know, sometimes we can get so caught up on our past failures, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And our past hurts. And I found myself at this place where I was so consumed with the past and wanting to redo so much in my life and the what ifs and the why. And if only I had done this
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, we can get so caught up in the past that we miss what God is doing right now.
2: That's
0: right.
1: And God spoke to and me that verse. And Satan knew you were getting
0: free too, so he wanted to use all of your regrets and your shame. And Amen. Your,
1: mm-hmm. And that's absolutely where he wants us. He yep. wants us to wallow in that, and mm-hmm. and uh, and so I was really struggling, and and that verse just kind of shed some light it's on that, one. and yeah. and uh, and so I I was able to begin to start dealing with some of these issues. One of them was a lot of unforgiveness mm-hmm. I had to my my father. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was able to bring that to him and over the phone from the program, call him and forgive him and just uh, release that burden, right? Because, you know, just that alone was weighing me down, you know, holding on to that unforgiveness. And it was, uh, man, that can affect every part of your life.
0: Mm-hmm. Two things for sure we have to answer is how I want the gin question answered. Yes. Um, but were you scared when you left rehab?
1: Very much so.
0: I mean, what was that like?
1: I wasn't gonna come home to Saint Pete. Okay. First of all, because I burned all my bridges and you know, I, I had nothing good in Saint Pete. I had mm. my family there. Yeah. But
0: But you're coming back to old familiar yes, I mean you could fall back into those same patterns. That was a scary
1: thought for yeah. me. And so through through the treatment I actually sent Jen a letter. Okay. Okay, I mailed her a letter and and, uh, told her that I was, uh, I had feelings for, her and I really wanted to, I, I felt that God wanted us together.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's kind of how I, how I said yeah. it to her.
1: I said, you know, I really believe God is are mm-hmm. you yeah. know, God wants us to be together. Yeah. And, uh, well, she never responded to <laughs> my letter. <laughs> I never got a letter back, and boy, I tell you, oh, you I waited poor thing. for that letter. Did you?
0: Were you like a mail call every day? You I look, sure
1: was. You,
0: oh, I woke up every
1: morning running you to poor that mailbox. <laughs> oh
0: my! <laughs> She's covering her face with her jacket. Okay, so she never responded.
1: So no response okay. to that letter. Yeah. But I didn't give up. Okay. Uh, we began to talk a little bit on the phone and I, I got my first visit home. Okay. And uh, now I'm coming home for the first time. I'm probably six, seven months into the program. They so you've let been you there do a while. home visit. Okay, got it. For the weekend yeah. and I and I show up, I invite Jen over. Okay. And um to see her. Mm-hmm. And so she comes over and meets me at my mom's house. And you're like, did you get my letter? And uh, (laughs) first thing I said, (laughs) I actually was kind enough not to bring that up. Okay. But I was thinking it. Yes. Um, So Uh she she comes over and, and we began to talk. And of course, I didn't know any of this at the time, but apparently when she came over and saw me, she was a little flustered because the last Jason she saw was... You know, a hot mess. Yeah. And now I, you know, I had some meat on my bones, and mm-hmm. I was I was healthy mm-hmm. for the first time in years. Mm. And and now I'm saved, and God is doing like you know. Yeah. You just have that light,
0: it's a, right? It's and, just a different. There's a whole different. I was countenance. a
1: completely different person by right. this point. Yeah. In such a short period of time, and so I think she struggled a little bit being around me. She didn't quite know at the seven months at the seven
0: month. At the seven months, yes, point.
1: Okay. yes, and uh, and she had a boyfriend at the time. Oh, okay. Oh, so <laughs> you know, I I kind of tried to put a little moves on her and just just <laughs> letting her know that you know, and she she shut me down. Yeah, rightfully so. And um, and well, we had a nice visit, and yep. then I had to go back to the program. Okay. Well, we were able to have a few phone calls in between, and. Um, I think she she started to have feelings for me mm-hmm. by this point point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and so now she found herself in a difficult position because she has a boyfriend mm-hmm. and now she's starting to have feelings for me hmm. but she's saved and she's with a guy who's not okay and now I'm saved uh-huh. and so we're kind of we've got a lot more similar similarities here right, at this point point. Exactly. And, and so she uh, she found herself in this tough predicament and and now it's getting close to where i'm going to be graduating the program soon and i and i told her i said well listen i really want to be with you i want us to court i want us to try to make this work
0: court what a sweet chivalrous term i love that okay
1: now mind you yeah this was very that was very new to us both as well right with our past You know, uh, we had discussions like if we're going to do this, Mm -hmm. like we want to do it God's way. Mm. And, um, and we knew that was going to be challenging in itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, but I told her, I said, the only reason I'm going to come home is if we're going to try to court, if we're going to court and try to make this work. And she said, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm just going to date Jesus for a while.
0: Oh, okay. And that's what she did. Good answer.
1: And she left her boyfriend. Mm hmm. And she she went on her own, and she just dated Jesus. Mm. And that's when I knew, yes. Yes. Because <laughs> I think it's going to work out in my favor yes. now.
0: Yes, see right? You had a little pep in your step. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. I said, baby, you date Jesus. <laughs> Do whatever Jesus tells you. Because I know what he's going to tell you. <laughs> so, well, uh, so, so you're back had, in
0: St. Pete. You've graduated from Oh, okay. No, no, yes. not yet okay. at this
1: point. So that we're getting close. And so... She, uh, she, she has her time with the Lord and, and she, she finally gets some clarity and, and decides, okay, yes, I want to try to make this work. I, I want to court you and, and let's see where it goes. And so I graduate and I come home back to St. Pete and um, had, a, had a couple of roommates I lived with uh, through my mom's church. Who now I, I I come home and I just dive right into uh, my mother's church, which is where Jen was going, and we both get involved there. And um, so I had roommates; she was living living with a roommate, and uh, I think I I ended up proposing to her probably six months later. And uh, so uh, we went and watched a sunrise and and uh, proposed to her mm. as the sun was coming up. That's kind of well. That's that was always her thing. The sunrise. sunrise. And, oh, I love and, that. Uh, so, yeah, we and then we were engaged for six months and got married. married, and um, man,
0: at any point, and I mean, we can ask Jen this, but at any point was she worried about a relapse with you?
1: That's a great question, absolutely, yeah, she was, she was. and I think
0: we're gonna have to have part B of this, <laughs> We have like Jason part one, Jen part part two, um but so she was worried about a relapse, but uh, well, just... and her
1: family, you okay. know, so yeah. she. You know Jen was always a very smart girl. She went to college. She was a teacher at this point, mm-hmm. and um she had a career and and now she tells the family she's going to be with this guy, Jason, who's fresh out of rehab yeah, and so that was uh that was challenging not only for her but her family and for everybody to to accept that
0: yeah
1: um so it came with some some challenges mm-hmm. but you know, I think for anybody sure. we can't expect people to. After we spend years and years burning bridges mm-hmm. and living a certain way, right. I couldn't come home and expect right. for people just to right. buy into this new life that right. I was living right away. Right. And I knew that, yeah. And so I knew it was going to take time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and so I just over time
2: mm-hmm.
1: was able to show her and, and everybody that this this was real. And uh, and and the more I, the more I dove into the Word mm-hmm. and and you know got busy serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. God just began can continue to do a, a yeah. work in our life.
0: So you're back in Saint Pete, you're you and Jen are together, you're engaged, you get married. Like what did that look like as far as as far as work? I mean, because here, I mean, was it hard for you to get a job, which I know you have a landscaping business now, but did you start that right away? The landscaping no, business? No, okay.
1: work was tough. Yeah, <laughs> work was hard. Yeah, I mean, I for my, I was making like two, three hundred bucks a week for quite a while. Mm. Even when we got married, I was uh, working with a friend just out cutting grass and making yeah. a few hundred dollars a week. And and um,
0: and there's stresses on, and that's just normal stresses on marriage. That's not all the other stuff. Right. That's just normal stuff.
1: Absolutely. Mm. So it was, um, it was challenging. Yeah, but. I think the big thing for us was because we were so sold out on just doing everything different this time yeah. around. You we just, wanted God's yeah. blessing. We wanted his favor over our marriage, over mm-hmm. our life. And so mm-hmm. we really worked hard at doing things God's way, which was mm-hmm. so different for us. Right. Um. But, but God honored that. Yeah. And, you know, and he, uh, you know, he's opened doors of opportunity for us and, mm-hmm. um, Praise God! I've I've had a, a successful business now for seven years oh in the my landscape goodness. industry. Wow! And,
0: so, how yeah. many years clean are you?
1: This will be eleven.
0: Eleven years. Yeah, eleven. Wow. Years. Okay, so you come back. You're you're working. You're restoring relationships. What was it like? Was there a turning point with you and your mom? I mean, was there a moment where you could sit down with your mom and?
1: You know, it's hard to say a specific time Yeah. because i think once i went to treatment yeah she was she never left she just kind of had to shut the door on me for a little while okay um but i truly believe that it was because of my mom's fervent prayers that i'm mm. still here today mm. she never gave up on praying for me yeah she never gave up on me period when most people did, mm-hmm. she was one of the few that never Kept did. Praying. Her along with Jen. Yeah. And um, so yeah, our our relationship is wonderful now. Mm. And even in my in my dad, I've got a yeah. great relationship okay. with him. You know, God has restored a lot of those relationships. Amazing. And I think one of the big things is, you know, the Bible says, "He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but mm-hmm. a companion of fools shall be destroyed." And yeah I purposed in my heart when I was coming home that uh, there was just a lot of people that I had to disassociate myself mm-hmm. with,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that's that's the common denominator I see today when people they relapse, you know they mm-hmm. get their life back in order and get things going good for them, but then they go and they they hang around a lot of the same mm-hmm. crowd and the same people, mm-hmm. and Because they think out they can 10, handle it, yeah yes. Yeah, and I knew whether I could handle it or not, mm-hmm. it's playing with fire. Right, it is. And yeah. uh, and that, that verse clearly spoke to me as I was in the program still. And yeah. that was when I just, I purposed in my heart, if I go home, mm-hmm. I, I can't hang around any of those
2: mm-hmm. people
1: from my past. And unfortunately, there's a lot, lot of good friends that I had that mm-hmm. are successful in the world's eyes, mm-hmm. right? And they're not bad people. Yeah. But- They're just not good for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm trying to live this life. um, You know, I'm trying to serve the Lord and just live this uh, new life. And, you know, unfortunately, I I had to disassociate myself from a lot of people.
0: So do you and Jen have children?
1: We do. We have two beautiful kids. Okay. tell me. Our daughter, Gracelyn, is seven. Okay. And then we have a son, Luke, who just turned five.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, that's amazing.
1: We love it.
0: Have you been able to help other men who were who I mean cuz I would imagine landscaping business um not to stereotype but I would imagine that you come across a lot of guys in your in, in your field yes. who struggle with similar things or maybe have come out of rehab and you employ them has this become a ministry yes. a ministry for you your business
1: It is my ministry I can see uh, that back at the beginning mm-hmm. uh, when I was getting the counsel and had this big decision in mm-hmm. front of us I I told the Lord I said if you would have me do this it mm. will be my ministry mm. and and uh, and it is I pray with my guys um, I've had the opportunity to lead some to the Lord I've mm. I've sent a few to to rehab and brought them back yeah got a great success story that still works with me today oh wow this brother and um, yeah you know and so yeah it's it's why I do what I do it's not really I have my company. If, to reach others.
0: I'm going to put in the show notes. I know you're not asking for this, but I want to do this. I'm going to put in the show notes the name of your landscape company, because if anybody, <laughs> if they're in your area, I want them.
2: Amen. I want
0: them to use you. Um, wow, Jason, what an incredible story. And like I said, the reason it so resonates with me is this was my dad's story, but he didn't beat it. And I can remember at 17 years old, one rehab center, my dad had gotten kicked out of one rehab center because he got caught with marijuana on him. And they'd found another place that would take him. And so I had to go drive. And I was in Alabama. I had to go pick him up in Birmingham at this rehab center to drive him to the other one. I didn't know where I was. I'm 16, 17 years old. And he wanted beer so badly that I'm staying on the interstate knowing I got to get him from one to the other. We cannot stop. And I'll never forget him. Like we were passing. It was the last exit before we were getting off to get to the other rehab center. And I remember I was not going to pull off and him on the interstate, him grabbing the wheel to like turn the car to make it, you know, go off, you know, to go off the exit. And at that point, you know, you're 16, 17 years old. It's like, forget it. I'm not going to fight him if he wants beer. I'm not going to have him wreck us, you know, just because he wants it. So, I mean, I've seen that. I've seen the withdrawals. Mm. I've seen him having to take the lithium and all that kind of stuff. So he yeah. won't be nauseated. So anytime, and I have, there's a sweet guy, we do t-shirts for turkeys. Then there's a sweet guy in Ocala that will come up to me every single year and he'll say, year nine, year 10. And it's <laughs> around that November. And sure. I just celebrate with him because Amen. your story does not, It's it doesn't always end with just a beautiful wife and beautiful children yeah. and restored relationships. And you're just a living testimony to the power of of God. And Amen. I think the thing that I will remember from our talk is that so many times people do say I'm a recovering alcoholic or I'm an alcoholic. No, those are the former things we do not. We don't, yes. you know, walk around and saying, hi, I'm a gossiper, or, "Hi, you know, all the other things Amen. that we struggle with. You know, I'm a whatever. I shop too much. <laughs> we are a child of God. Yes. Like, that's who we are. In Christ, that's good. So your story is incredible, and I just thank you for being willing. Thank
1: you so much. Um,
0: I just want to speak to the mamas and the daddies who are listening to this that keep praying for your kids, and yes. even if you don't see it, the Lord is working. He yes. is working. So, Amen. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, thank you, so you so for bringing for your me. wife. Um, this is incredible.
1: Amen. This has been a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much.
0: As you can see, Jason's story hits close to home with me. I wish my dad had had the same ending as Jason. Sadly, he did not. But speaking of dads, Jason is totally reconciled with his father and his dad has been sober for five years. Praise the Lord, that's incredible news. There are so many takeaways with Jason's story, but I think the biggest one is this, we are never too far gone. I really do believe that the way I heard Jason's story was providential, and I look forward to sharing more stories just like his. If you would like to share your story with me, send us an email at offairwithcarmen at thejoyfm.com. Thanks again for listening, and it would mean so much to me if you would subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform, whether that be Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. And a five-star rating helps, too. I'll see you next week.